Welcome to Talkin' SEC. Writer, photographer, and producer Philip Jordan discusses the latest news and breaks down the biggest games with the best analyst around. Now, from Southeast Alabama, a state that knows its sports, here is Philip Jordan. What's up, y'all? Welcome into Talking SEC. I am your host, Philip Jordan, from Last Run College Football on 96.9 A Legend in Dothan, Alabama, where I'm the in studio host and producer, Dothan Woods Football. Got a fun show planned for you guys. Just a few moments, I'm going to be joined by Chris Gordy, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. We're going to talk about the new coaching staff there at LSU under Ed Orgeron, the Tennessee coaching search, and we'll look at who can knock off Alabama potentially next season in the 2021 season. And before we do all that, guys, I'm going to let you know you can find me in the podcast. You can find me on social media at PJordanSEC. The podcast on Twitter at TalkingSECPod. Of course, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave me a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And you can always email me at sportsdollfieldjordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me this week on Talking SEC, and he is host of, I think, the best SEC podcast. I'm just saying that because the guest on the show today is uh, one of my favorites. I always look forward to listening to it every morning as I get up getting ready for work. And uh, that is Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC. And uh, Chris, I do appreciate you taking the time coming on the show this week. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, uh, it's always fun to talk all things SEC. It's crazy how just really the, the, the sport of, of SEC football, college football, has expanded to – you know, now it's something we pay attention to almost 365 days a year. When I was, you know, coming up as a, as a kid and a fan of, of college football, it felt like, yeah, you know, once you got into the May and the June months when all the college season preview guides started coming out, you know, that's when you would really start getting into it and start breaking down the depth chart. You, you know, you got schools like Alabama, Auburn, LSU, you know, Georgia, Florida, the diehard schools that – you know, they, those fans in those college towns, they talk college football year-round. But, man, it feels like now on a national level, just with the transfer portal, hirings and firings of coaches and all this, I mean, college football in SEC in particular has really become a 365-day-a-year sport, and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. I, mean, I have people – this is – my second full year doing just this doing just an sec football only podcast and last year i heard after season this year so what are you going to talk about now it's like trust me there's plenty to talk about especially on a weekly and you know this doing a lot on sec every day the conference gives us plenty much to talk about uh every every single year and and by and by the time you net you won't even know it and boom the season will be here so there's always plenty to talk about this conference yeah what, what i'm excited about was the the sec just announced that uh, they're going to move SEC Media Days. It's going to happen again the third week of July, as it typically does to go to Nashville this year. Um, I'm sorry, uh, not Atlanta, but to, to uh, Hoover, uh, where it typically has been, I think, 18 of the last 19 SEC Media Days have been at the uh, the Hoover there, right right by the Galleria. So uh, they're going to move back there again this year and, and push the trip to Nashville back. But you know, last year was the first year that we didn't get and SEC Media Days, and it, it, it really stunk. I mean, that's such a fun event that really signals the kickoff of the college football season where you're able to interview a lot of the coaches and players and media members. And so really excited to see that news here in the last day or so that uh, we're going to get SEC Media Days this year. They're planning to, to have them in July, and let's all cross our fingers and hope uh, 
the virus and the vaccine and everything that needs to happen makes that happen because uh, man, this yeah. has been uh, not fun for the last year. Yeah, I mean, we really missed out a great opportunity with Mike Leach at Media Days. I was really, really looking forward to that. <laughs> and uh, out of anybody being there, uh, I was looking forward to Coach Leach. And I, I do look forward, you know, hopefully we do get that. That That's the day I will have circled. I may take off a day of work just to watch what Mike Leach has to say at Media Days because obviously he's going to have some funny stories to tell uh, when he does get up there at the podium or, or however they do it this year. Well, and not just that. I mean, Lane Kiffin, too. You know how bluntly honest Kiffin can be, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then, you know, we'll get to see some of these new coaches like Clark Lee and Shane Beamer and Brian Harson, guys we really don't know very much about or or at least haven't seen them speak publicly a lot. So it'll be a a lot of fun to see those guys as well. Yeah, you talk about new coaches. Uh, LSU, of course, at Orgeron's still there. They don't have a new head coach, but they are bringing in a new staff of completely reworked staff uh, way of shaking out here in the offseason with the LSU Tigers after obviously the disappointing season they ended 5-5 five and five, and then they are bringing in their new defensive coordinator Durante Jones who's coming from the Minnesota Vikings as DB coach Just uh, for you uh, where are you at with this hire do you do you like the hire for LSU do you think it's a really good uh, hire for them as their new defensive coordinator it, it's an interesting hire because we, we know publicly at least LSU went really hard after Marcus Freeman who was the Cincinnati defensive coordinator, and just ask the Georgia Bulldogs how good of a coordinator he was in the bowl game. Really did a good job against the Georgia offense. But uh, he ends up choosing to take the Notre Dame job, and look, it makes sense. His family is is all there in the Midwest. That's a lot closer to where he is instead of moving his family down to, to Louisiana. And then, you know, you look at the second candidate to try to get Ryan Nielsen from the Saints, the defensive line coach there, and he had a connection to Coach O, and Ultimately, Sean Payton blocked uh, the move and had some verbiage in his contract that didn't allow him to go to the college ranks. So LSU was basically on their third option. And uh, Durante Jones, a lot of people just, you know, i got to be honest, I mean, most people didn't even hear, never even knew who that was prior to this week. So it's a little bit of a surprising name. But when you start to read into it and see that he was the DB's coach at Wisconsin years ago under Dave Aranda. So, you know, it's interesting the two dynamics of, the two coordinators that, that Ed Ogeron has hired. His offensive coordinator came from a disciple of Joe Brady, who was the guy who he struck gold with for the national championship year. And then now his new defensive coordinator is a disciple of uh, of Dave Aranda, who was obviously his D.C. the year they, they won the championship as well. So uh, good pedigree, but we're going to see uh, how good Durante Jones is at the college level because he has not coached very much in the college ranks, but – I'll be honest with you, as bad as Telichu's defense was last year under Bo Pelini, even if Durante Jones even has a mediocre defense, it's going to be an improvement over what we saw last year at LSU. That was one of the worst defenses I've ever seen, and I really don't understand how Bo Pelini put such a bad defense out there week in and week out for what he was getting paid millions and millions of dollars. And just the last thought on Durante Jones, what I like about him is LSU was criticized uh, last year that – Coach O kind of had a staff of a bunch of old guys, a bunch of old white guys, really what a lot of people were saying, you know, just guys who he'd been friends with for years and knew were good coaches and all that. But the college game has changed so much. Like, you got to be younger. you got to be more inventive. And not to mention, there's a big push right now across all sports to, to have more minority coaches. And, and, you know, when you talk about a football team that's filled with, you know, African-American football players, the majority of it, it makes sense that you would have more African-American assistant coaches. And so, you know, I believe this is the first time in, in forever, if not a really long time, that LSU has 
uh, a coordinator of color, meaning, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. So I, I like it from that aspect as well with the, the social uh, injustice protests and stuff last last summer. You know, that there was talk that there was some disconnect between Coach O and the coaching staff and the players. This at least brings in a guy that you know, is much younger and, like I said, a, a black head coach who maybe a lot more of the black players can relate to him now as opposed to, you know, had they went out and brought in, I don't know, a 65-year-old white white defensive coordinator that, you know, no offense to, but just probably can't relate to uh, the younger guys these days. So that's what I like about what LSU's done is they've gotten a lot younger with their offensive and defensive coordinator hires. You know, and, and I look at these their hires, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator with LSU, and you brought it up to as well, you know, of course on offense, Jake Peets, he coached under Joe Brady there with the Panthers. He was quarterback's coach, and you have DJ Mangus coming in. He was with the Panthers. He'll be their new, you know, passing game coordinator. And, of course, when you look there at Dronte Jones, coached under Dave Aranda at Wisconsin. You know, and I don't mean this tongue-in-cheek like I'm picking. I'm not. But how much of it does it feel like, okay, we're trying to dip back into that 2019 well a little bit and kind of regain and kind of some of that momentum we had that season? Of course, you're not going to probably – you're not going to get to that level. No one should ever expect, you know, to repeat what you did in 2019, but still trying to find some of that momentum you had from that season and kind of bring it back in 2021. Yeah, and I could see where people would feel that way, and and they're not wrong. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. He's trying to he struck lightning in a bottle, but you know the the Joe Brady thing was really it was that was a surprise. Like nobody thought he was going to bring these NFL concepts, and and really you know with combined with Joe Burrow, if LSU doesn't have Joe Burrow that year with Joe Brady with Steve Ensminger's play calling, I mean it, it doesn't work the way that it did. But that said. Uh, Joe Brady skyrocketed from there. He's now an offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers and interviewed for a ton of head coaching jobs in the NFL this offseason. That, that just shows you how quickly that guy skyrocketed to success. Clearly, he knows something. And Jake Peets and DJ Mangus, who are you know, the offensive coordinator and passing game coordinator now for LSU, know Joe Brady and his system very well. So you know, I almost envision as Joe Brady hands them his playbook and say, here you go, here's what I – Here's what I brought. You guys could bring the same thing back to LSU. Because uh, LSU's offense really wasn't bad this year. I mean, it was – Miles Brennan going down is what killed them. But if you go look at those games when Miles Brennan was still a starter, man, their offense was still humming. They were throwing for, you know, 300, 400 yards a game, and uh, they were really moving the ball. It was the defense that was so bad. And so I think that's what Ogeron looks at is that, look, I really struck out with Bo Pelini bringing him back, you know, whatever, 12, 13 years after the fact. And – Clearly, the game had passed him by a little bit. So let me try to get younger. Let me try to get somebody that Dave Aranda recommends uh, and see if it works out. Look, I don't know if it's going to work out, but I at least admire this approach, like I said, as opposed to hiring some old, washed-up guy that, you know, okay, you can go get another one of your buddies who's been in the coaching game for 30, 40 years, but I think it's way it, – it looks a lot better to get younger. Yeah, and, you know, on the LSU front on offense, and I'm very intrigued with this thing because of the quarterback situation they've got coming back. Of course, you know, you just mentioned Miles Brennan. T.J. Finley, he did show some things when he did get to play in, right with, you know, after Brennan got hurt. But then Max Johnson, those last two games against Florida at Ole Miss, you know, I got his stats here from those two games. He was 59%, uh, eight touchdowns, one interception. I mean, he played really, really well in those final two games. I know Ole Miss was not a great defense. They were the worst defense in the conference. But with those three quarterbacks and what he did at the end of the season, I know for LSU fans, that's it's, it's got to bring a lot of excitement and intrigue with that quarterback battle that's coming up spring. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I think Coy Moore, the receiver for LSU, tweeted out yesterday. We got the best quarterback room in uh, in the country. I mean, they really do have three viable options. But in my mind, Miles Brennan was so good before he uh, you know before he he lost or got hurt and missed the rest of the season. So in my mind, it's his job to lose. But two really good options. TJ Finley, I love when he got a chance to start against South Carolina. What I saw out of him was. Fearless. The kid did not look scared. It, it didn't look like the lights were too bright for him starting as a true freshman. And then Max Johnson, like you mentioned, son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson, he looked really good too in those last couple of games. Very gutty, very tough performance, especially going to Florida and winning in the swamp when nobody gave them a chance. So, yeah, I think they're in a really good spot with the quarterback position. But as we know, uh, competition nowadays leads to the transfer portal. So, <laughs> You know, if Miles Brennan is the guy, I'd probably expect one of Finley or Max Johnson to hit the transfer portal before the season starts. And you know, we may not like it, but that's just kind of where we are in the realm of college football nowadays. Nobody wants to sit around for two, three years waiting for their turn. You know, Mac, uh, Mac Jones is a guy who just did it for Alabama and proved that you know it can be done and it can be very effective. But a lot of these four and five star kids coming out, eighteen, nineteen years old, they don't want to sit around for years. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and that's, that's another thing I was kind of looking at that too as well because you got three really got talented quarterbacks. You, you, know, you got to think, okay, especially with the two freshmen there, you know, one guy may not be there uh, after next year. So that'll be uh, interesting all, all together with LSU and the quarterback, uh, the quarterback room. And it's all about coaches. And of course, Tennessee brings in their new athletic director, uh, Danny White, coming from, you know, Central Florida. And look, and we were recording this on. Tuesday evening, this is a drop in Wednesday, so who knows what's going to happen between when we recorded this and when the podcast actually does release. But when you look at this Tennessee situation, I, I like the Danny White hire. It, it seems a little something different for Tennessee. They just didn't bring somebody in that had been involved with a program, you know, years prior. Like, you know, obviously Phil Former was. Uh, first, you know, and I know it's a two part question. First, the Danny White hire. Where were you at that? Was that a good hire for you from athletic director standpoint? And then where do you think Tennessee does go when it comes to a head football coach? Yeah, I love the Danny White hire. I think it's you know a guy who's got a great track record everywhere he's been. Buffalo and now UCF made some tremendous hires there, and you know I think he's the right guy at the right time for Tennessee. You know he's a guy who, like I said, comes in with a proven track record, has made some great hires along the way, and you know they've committed to him long term. I think I saw it's a five year deal that gets a rollover each year that he's there. So I mean it, it can literally be a contract for the next decade plus if everything works out well. So uh, I do like that they made the hire very quickly. You know, we saw it was just a week ago uh, around this time that, you know, they, they made the, had the press conference where Phil Fulmer announces he's stepping down as the AD and that they released Jeremy Pruitt and several other coaches, and they moved quick. They got their AD, and now, if you believe the reports out there, Danny White's flying all over the country right now trying to find the next head coach for the Tennessee Vols. I kind of thought, you know, with all this scandal amid the investigation, internal investigation, and the NCAA investigation, that they might just, you know, sit on the rest on their laurels and say, "Look, we brought in Kevin Steele from Auburn. He's the interim head coach. Let's just ride with Kevin Steele for a year, and then we'll figure out all this mess as the year goes along." Sounds like they're not they're not ready to do that. They want to go get their guy, and just some of the names that we've heard out there already. You know, Hugh Freeze is obviously a name mentioned, but. I think most people will agree that the optics would not look good. When you just fired a head coach for uh, you know, a cheating scandal, you're going to go get a guy who was fired for a cheating scandal at Ole Miss. Uh, 
you know, his was kind of twofold. It was one, you know, paying the players like we saw at Laramie Tunsil on draft night where the DMs came out from Twitter that you know, he was asking coaches to pay his mom's utility bill and all that kind of stuff, which, which, by the way, I don't have a problem with. Like, I think it's so silly that we become so self-righteous about, oh, Tennessee was giving bags of cash and McDonald's bags to players. Yeah, it's against the rules, but at the end of the day, like, those kids have nothing. Like, those kids mm-hmm. are, are, high, are college athletes who get a scholarship and, hey, here's some Nike gear. Uh, have fun with that. I mean, it, th- that really sunk in for me that night. I'm like, the poor kid's mom kid, is struggling to pay her electric bill, and meanwhile you got these million-dollar coaches all, you know, coaching their kid, and the, and the kids don't get a dime of it. So at least we're getting to some resolution with the, the um, image and likeness here within the next year or so. But I digress. But back to – that so you know I think Hugh Freeze the timing is not right to bring him in, and then there were some interesting names that came up in the last uh, 24 hours from Chris Lowe from ESPN. He mentioned maybe James Franklin from Penn State. I know they were really upset with him this year. Expectations were high at Penn State. They underachieved. You know he's a guy who's very successful in the SEC once before at Vanderbilt. Ultimately, I don't think he jumped ship just yet from Penn State, but that would be it. That would be a tremendous move because, like I said, I know he really loved his time in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and, and obviously, whoever comes in there is going to get a long leash from the Vols fans, right? With everything that's coming down, I mean, they very well could end up losing scholarships and getting fined and all this kind of stuff. So whoever comes in there is going to get several years to to prove themselves. Uh, and then a few of the other names I saw, obviously, I think it's Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator at Clemson. He's a name that's come up and, you know, would be interesting if he decided to make the jump because he's a guy who's been very successful running the uh, – calling the plays – uh, offensively for Clemson these last couple of years. And then another guy, SMU's head coach, Sonny Dykes, who's a guy who's coached a lot in the South. He's had a lot of uh, good offenses throughout the years. And as we know right now, you've got to have a good offense to win in not just the SEC, but in college football. I mean, look at the winning teams. The teams that get to the playoffs every year are scoring 38, 39, 40 points a game. So those are just some of the names I've heard. I mean, look, if they hire Sonny Dykes, nobody's going to get super excited about it. But that might be a guy, like I said with Danny White, right, right hire at the right time. He might be a guy who could be the right hire at the right time. Maybe they're not going to win, you know, seven, eight, nine games in year one, but a guy who can set up the program, recruit well, and, uh, you know, maybe get that, the, their footing back on, on solid ground because that's the big problem with Tennessee right now is they just have no culture. I saw some people saying, you know, fix the culture, establish what your culture is because – Tennessee has not been a destination job here for going on over a decade. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so uh, from what you're saying here, you don't think there's a Kevin Steele, Gus Malzahn reunion coming in Knoxville? No, it, but <laughs> I, I mean, that's not a bad hire. I mean, I, I like I could see Gus Malzahn doing well, but like, how do you sell that to Kevin Steele? Hey, I know we just took you away from uh, Auburn and they just fired Gus, but we're going to bring back in Gus, and you're going to report to him again. Like, I just feel like that would be a really weird weird move. Uh, everything I've been reading is saying, you know, Gus may take a year off and just kind of reset and count his millions and uh, enjoy his wealth for a little bit. So nothing wrong with that. But, um, no, I, I, I think Gus would actually do pretty well at Tennessee. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I had to ask that mostly as a joke, and, as, you know, especially as the guy that writes about Auburn for last one college football, I followed that whole – soap opera that was going on up there at, at Auburn so uh, I, I, I don't think Kevin Steele would be happy if uh, the, you know they said hey we're hiring Gus Malzahn he's like 
darn, I cannot get away from this guy and get a job or anything like that, or both of them. It would, it'd be more, I think, comedy to anything if that happened. Uh, uh, before I let you go, just kind of looking forward to 2021, you know, hey, we're not even February yet, but we're always looking ahead to the next season. Uh, you know, Alabama, of course, we know they're losing guys, but they lose guys every year. You expect them to be the favorite to win the conference once again next season. So when you look at the SEC, who, who do you see as their biggest challenger, or have they just separated themselves, or maybe there's not a challenger in the SEC next season? Well, look, I know we'd like to always just say, oh, well, Alabama, they're just going to reload and they're going to be back, but they are really losing a lot. I mean, we can't discount the fact that, you know, they brought back as much as they did. I mean, literally last year, Alex Leatherwood could have went to the draft, would have been a first or second rounder. Najee Harris would have been late first, early second rounder. Um, you know, they lose Tua, but they brought back so many guys that played vital parts. I mean, even Devontae Smith, they were saying, was you know, going to be at worst the second-round pick last year, and he came back, and look what happened. He wins the Heisman. So Alabama really capitalized off of having veteran guys senior-laden, and just guys who are leaders on this team this year, and that's what made them so good. You you lose all those pieces, they're still going to be good, right? I mean, John Mechie's still really good. Slade Bolden, we expect Bryce Young to be the real deal at quarterback. We'll see. He may have some growing pains, but I'm not ready to just pencil in Alabama as another undefeated season. I think yeah. they could go through some gro- growing pains around the SEC. I mean, the, the team that I, that is, is my preseason pick going into next year, that I think has a really good chance to run the table is Georgia. I mean, they're bringing back so much. JT Daniels, at quarterback, he stabilized that offense so much that really made you scratch your head and go, man, if he only could have been healthy for the start of the season, what could have been for Georgia in 2020? So uh, they're loaded. I think Georgia is the team to watch going into next year, and uh, they got a real chance to make some noise. And you know, we saw what LSU did in 2019. We saw what Alabama did in 2020. 2021 could be the year of the Georgia Bulldogs where they run the table and finally Kirby Smart gets that national championship that he has not gotten in his time. He's had some great years. He's gotten to a championship where he lost. He's had top five recruiting classes every year. It's time for Kirby to put up or shut up, and he's got to get take this team to the next level and bring a championship to Georgia very soon. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I look at that Georgia team, and I'm like, with everything, it's kind of like what you just said about Alabama this past year. Georgia's got so much coming back. Guys that probably could have went to the pros and they are coming back to the team and for what happened next year in Florida should not. You think Florida will take a step down with what they're losing? And then, yeah, uh, Alabama and Georgia, I think Georgia's pretty is talented enough to beat them. So it, uh, I'm right there with you on that one. Uh, and I'm not penciling Alabama as a guaranteed SEC champion uh, myself either. Uh, but uh, anyways, Chris, uh, I do uh, appreciate you coming on talking SEC this week. It's been a lot of fun uh, talking SEC football with you. If the listeners want to follow you online, where can they find you and uh, where can they check out the podcast? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to find it, LockedOnSEC.com takes you right to the website and you can either listen to it right off the website or click on it, whatever, wherever you get your podcast. I mean, I think the majority of us use the iTunes, uh, you know, Apple podcast links. For those of us who have iPhones, you just Go to the podcast link. You like uh, you type "locked on SEC" and you'll find it there. But we have some weirdos that use the Android still out there. So uh, if you do that, <laughs> uh, wherever you get your wherever you get your podcast, you just search "locked on SEC" and you can find that out there. And by the way, I'm just teasing on the, the weirdos who use Android. One of my best friends still does, and I tease him every day about it. I'm like, dude, I will buy you an iPhone. Come on, it's it's 2021. Everybody has iPhone. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I've been a lifelong uh, Apple user, on, on special on the phone. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've got you subscribed on my phone on, on the podcast app. But uh, anyways, Chris, I do appreciate you taking the time out coming on the show. And I hope we can do this again sometime down the road. Definitely, man. Anytime. You are listening to The Philip Jordan Show, talking SEC football and beyond. Woo! All right, once again, thanks to Chris Gordy for coming on this week's edition of Talking SEC. Had a lot of fun talking him all things SEC football. And we we talked about the Tennessee deal there, and we recorded that conversation around 6 o'clock on Tuesday evening. Of course, this podcast dropped on Wednesday morning. And I'm, I'm recording this part 10 o'clock on Tuesday night, so I kind of – purposely stay a little up a little late to wait and record the last part of the podcast and uh, of course we there we talked about tennis a little bit and chris talked about all the names he's heard and being rumored and talked about potential tennessee coaching hires well some some news or some speculation or some you know interesting information either way you want to put it uh did come out kind of late on Tuesday night and it's from Austin Price from VolQuest over at Rivals.com looks like Josh Heupel is a rising candidate for the Tennessee job. Of course he is the Central Florida head coach and that ties into their new athletic director Danny White from Central Florida and that's the guy that Danny White hired and you just look at what Josh Heupel has done at UCF, just three years as a head coach, this is the only place he's been a head coach at. Starting in 2018, he replaced Scott Frost, which continuing what he was doing there. They go 12-1 and one. in 2018. Their only loss was to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, of course, that was without McKenzie Milton, if you, everybody will remember that. Uh, he got hurt late in the year, and they still gave LSU a lot of trouble in that game. So they, they still play competitive, you know, despite losing their starting quarterback, their star player, perhaps. So uh, he's he's done a great job. In 2019, they went 10-3 this past year, 6-4. and four. Overall, he's 28-8, and 19-5 in conference play. Just kind of looking over his resume as a player, 2000 BCS champion with Oklahoma. Uh, he was runner-up for the Heisman that year. That was the year, I believe, that Chris Winkie, won the award uh and then they beat florida state in that national championship game uh coaching wise he didn't really work out the nfl spent like a year or two there then uh, went into coaching he was a grad assistant at oklahoma 2004 2005 he was the tight end coach at arizona under mike stoops bob stoops brother from 2006 2010 he was the oklahoma quarterback coach uh, Coach Sam Bradford there. Of course, Sam Bradford won the Heisman in 2008, and they lost to Florida in that championship uh, game that year. From 2011 to 2014, he was the Oklahoma OC, co-OC, and quarterback coach. He was late go after 2014 season. In 2015, Utah State, he was assistant head coach, offense coordinator, quarterback coach. 2016-17, he coached Drew Locke as offense coordinator, quarterback coach. And, of course, as talked about Central Florida from 2018 to now, he is the head coach there. But I'll tell you what, though, just looking on Twitter and some of the reaction, uh, there's Tennessee fans do not seem to be happy about the potential that's higher. Look, there's no guarantee. You don't know for sure this will be the guy. But the name really started circulating a lot on Twitter on Tuesday night. And and with that Danny White connection, I mean, you can see this is a guy he is familiar with. And you kind of wonder, will Tennessee go that way? And look, 
it's just obvious from Twitter. The Tennessee fans will probably not be happy about this hire. Uh, maybe to them, not the splash hire. But you look what Josh Heupel has done at Central Florida. He's done well. He's he's really has. And you just, you know, give him benefit of the doubt, I guess, and see if he can do what he can do. I mean, this is not a sexy hire. We're talking about Sonny Dykes there with Chris Gordy. Uh, I joked around with the mouth on stuff. Hope people didn't take that take that part serious. Uh, James Franklin mentioned, you know, some names uh, previously in the uh, search a few days ago. Saw PJ Flex. So if they go this route, when you see those names, I can see where Tennessee fans won't be happy. But also, if this is the guy, look, he has won for three years in Central Florida, and Central Florida has won at a high level too. They have beaten beat some really good teams. Uh, with him there so you know like i said uh I, I it's not a slam dunk hire but i don't necessarily think it would be a bad hire if this is direction tennessee's going this is not official or anything like that it's just what austin price from volquest over at rivals.com was reporting and talking about on tuesday night so i'm just going to leave that there and uh real quickly some other coaching news in the sec of course alabama hires Doug Marone as their new offensive line coach, replacing Kyle Flood, who went off to Texas with Steve Sarkeesian. You know, Alabama had to replace uh, several guys off this past year's staff. He'll be joining Bill O'Brien, who is going to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Bill O'Brien, of course, 52 and 48 with the Texans. Doug Marone was the head coach with the Jacksonville Jaguars the last four years. Uh, Bill O'Brien, college-wise, though, people uh, obviously notice and remember what he'd done recently with Houston Texans and how that went south. I'll say this about Bill O'Brien. I think he's a really good coach. I don't think he's a good general manager. And so if he ever does make it to the NFL past this, I think uh, no one should ever give him, you know, keys to the castle. Uh, Don't let him be your general manager and your head coach. He's a good head coach. Because he won with some pretty subpar quarterbacks. At, in Houston before Deshaun Watson coming to the scene and took over there. So he, he did well there in uh, Houston. A lot uh, better as a coach, I think, but just things went south there with him. He did a fantastic job the two years there at Penn State, uh, 15 and 9. And he took on the, I was, the horrible stuff that was going on at Penn State when he took over. And they were probation. I mean, so so much stuff was going on at Penn State. I'm I'm not going to talk about. It. I'm not going to rehash that. You guys, most of you should know uh, what he was. He, what he walked into at Penn State went 15 and nine. I'm going to say this about him too. There at Penn State, the one year that Christian Hackenberg actually looked like a legit NFL quarterback. It was his freshman year, and it was the second year under Bill O'Brien. And uh, Bill O'Brien did a good job with him there. It was when James Franklin came in where Hackenberg regressed. Uh, Frank Franklin was a really good football coach, so that's not a slight of him. I'm just saying Hackenberg just could not take a next step after that first year uh, with Bill O'Brien there as head coach. And, of course, he spent five years in New England Patriots, coached by Bill Belichick. We know the connection between Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. So uh, I think that's true. two tremendous hires. I, I'm not sure. Is that a better than Sark? I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes there. I do like the Bill O'Brien hire. I like the Doug Marone hire as well on the offense line side because he was really he did a really good job. Syracuse when he was there too, they won a tie for a conference championship. I believe they were who had Syracuse. So very very good hires there by Alabama to kind of 
replace what they had lost after winning the national championship when Steve Sarkeesian went off to the Texas Longhorns to be the head coach and took some assistance from Alabama with them. Uh, kind of cool thing I'll let you guys know too here. I am going to have the podcast in a different place. Uh, collaborating with Mark Rogers TV. Mark Rogers does a fantastic job covering college football on YouTube. If you are not subscribing to his YouTube channels, you need to do so right now. Uh, but you will be seeing clips of Talking SEC show up on there. Uh, so uh, really excited and honored and appreciate the opportunity. So I'm going to be doing that. You're seeing that. I'll, if I see the, the clips pop up on YouTube, I will be sure to share all out on Twitter. Uh, please, please, please go check out. If you're a fan of the NFL, go check out my NFL podcast, Talking Pro Football. Had a fun conversation with Blake Lovell. He is with Clutch Points NFL, host of the Established the Pass podcast. Uh, so we had a good 20-minute conversation. Uh, we broke down the NFC and AFC championship games, and we looked ahead to the Super Bowl. So if you're an NFL fan, please go check out that podcast. Uh, re- really good. It's the same format as this one, the guest, and then a little bit. Uh, news items we'll talk about afterwards uh, the conversation so those conversations go about 20 minutes like you would see here and then about 10 minutes or so I'm trying to keep these both these pods of uh, 30 to 35 minutes uh, so uh, like i said once again please if you're an nfl fan go check that podcast out uh, really proud of the podcast we put out this past week kind of recapping the conference championship games and uh, that's going to be it for me podcasting this week i plan on doing some shows next week I'm going to let you guys know something. I'm all, I'm in the middle of moving right now, uh, moving into an apartment. So uh, I, I stopped packing and boxing stuff up to do this show for you guys. So the plan is still to do a podcast next week. May not be behind this beautiful microphone, this Blue Yeti. Uh, may be on my phone app that I use to record some stuff. So just let you guys know on that uh, next week. And I'm going to be returning to doing videos soon. i got a new laptop a lot more uh powerful so i be, should be able to do video pretty soon here with the podcast when they get settled with the apartment get everything situated there both on here on talking sec and talking pro football i plan on doing video shows where you will see me and my guests chatting and all that good stuff so hope you guys will also check that out when i start doing that and i'm going to have my personal youtube channel but i also have a talking sec and a talking pro football youtube channel as well for all that but anyways guys i'm gonna get out of here it is getting late here on a tuesday evening everybody has a great rest of your week uh no football this weekend of course with the uh that week between the conference championship and super bowl but i'll have some pretty cool football conversations for you guys next week like i said on this podcast and I'm talking pro football. Remember, you can follow me on social media at P. Jordan SEC. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Talking SEC Pod. Of course, podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And you can always email me at sports.fieldjordan at gmail.com. Anyways, guys, until next time. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Talkin' SEC. Follow Philip on social media at P. Jordan SEC and the show at Talkin' SEC Pod. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time when we're Talkin' SEC.